0: Amen. Well, if you're excited about the Word, would you stand this morning as we honor the the reading of God's wonderful, wonderful Word. Amen. Well, how are you doing on your Bible reading? How many of you read your Bible this week? How many of you read your Bible almost every day? How many read a lot more of your Bible this week than you read the week before? All right. Amen. Good, good, good. All right, hey, we're looking again this morning in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. We're going to read verse 30 through uh, 32. This morning, we're going to read out the New International Version, Psalm 119, and we're going to begin with verse number 30. The psalmist writes, and he says, I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your law. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Father, I thank you for your word today. God, it indeed is a lamp unto our feet, and it is a light unto our path. God, I just pray, Lord, today that you will help us today, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, to inspire your people, O God. God, to read your word, to study your word, Father, to fill their life with your word. And God, to live out your word so their lives can be enriched in every area. God, the anointing of the Spirit to rest upon the message, the messenger. Lord, I pray for everyone that hears the word today, Lord, will respond to the word, Father. All of these things we ask in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be reseated this morning. Well, I have... Uh, this past Sunday, I declared 2017 the year of the Bible, because I believe that God wants us to focus on his word throughout this coming year. And so I am challenging every single one of us to read through the entire Bible this year. That is a challenge that I am, I am laying before you, and that is to read through the entire Bible in the year of 2017. Now, whether, whether you start out in Genesis and read straight through, or whether you read the one-year Bible that lays out each day of the year for you, or some other Bible reading plan, and there's so many ways that you can do it. Can we show the, the slide, uh, please, so they can give you some information that may help you? I want you to understand that my main goal is not so much Getting you through the Bible as it is getting the Bible through you. Now, last Sunday, I started a a five-part series on what we should do with the Bible. What we should do with the Bible. I'm making an acrostic out of this word Bible, B-I-B-L-E. And with each letter of this word, I'm showing what we should do. Now, last Sunday, of course, we began with the letter B. And for the letter B, I said that we should believe it. I gave you three reasons why we should believe the Bible. And let me just, let me encourage you as well today. If you were not here last Sunday, I strongly encourage you to go online and listen to that sermon because the anointing of the Holy Spirit was all over that one. Today we're going to take on the letter I, the letter I in our acrostic of the word Bible. What should we do with a Bible? Well, for the letter I, we should inhale it, inhale it. Now to inhale means to breathe in, it means to ingest, it means to absorb. Psalm 119 and verse number 36 in the New Living Translation says, Give me an eagerness, an eagerness for your law. In the New International Version, it says, Turn my heart. Toward your statutes. Oh, that's, that's what I want God to do in these next five Sundays. That's what I want God to do for us throughout this year. I want God to give us an eagerness for the laws of God. An eagerness for the word of the Lord. I want the Lord to turn our heart toward the word of God. What should we do with the Bible? We should inhale it. We should consume it. We should develop an appetite and a taste for it. I believe that we should feed our spiritual man as much and as often as we feed our natural man. You see, if we fully understood the value of God's word, if we truly understood uh, the worth of God's word, then, then I believe that, that, that we would be much more diligent in reading and studying and applying God's word. I love coffee. Coffee. I especially love my coffee. And I love it most the very first thing in the morning. Before eggs, before pancakes, before bacon, before toast, before cereal, before donuts, I want my coffee. But I didn't always like coffee. The fact of the matter is, at first I hated coffee. I was a 14 year old boy and I was working Saturdays and summers as a drywaller in my father's construction business and all of his men drank coffee and I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be treated like a man and not be treated like a boy and so I drank coffee too. Now at first I had to absolutely force it down and at first I wanted it weak and watered down. That was 48 years ago. Today, I love my coffee, and few drink it stronger. And today, I start out every single morning with my coffee. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying that we need to develop a taste. For the Word of God. We need to drink in God's Word every single day. We need to make God's Word priority. And as we do, I believe that we will begin to desire it. I believe we will begin to love it. I begin I believe we will begin to crave it. I believe we will begin to, to want to fill our lives up with the Word of God. I believe the more that we read it, the more that we're going to grow in it. And we're going to begin to desire more of the stronger parts of the Word of God. And I believe that if we continue down this path, the time will come when we will begin to literally inhale it. Well, today I want to talk about three things the Bible will do for us. Three things the Bible will do for us when we begin to inhale it. First of all, let me suggest that God's Word will challenge us. Challenge us. See, it is literally impossible to read the the Bible without being challenged. Even the greatest saints that have walked with the Lord for many, many years fall far short of the bar that God's word sets for us. Let me briefly mention just three areas where God's word challenges us. First of all, God's word challenges us in our faith. In our faith. and You can jump in here anytime you want to and help me out a little bit. You know, when we read stories like David, uh, probably 17 years of age or so, when we hear, read stories in the Bible about David, uh, going before the giant, probably nine or ten feet tall, uh, with only a slingshot and a pocket full of rocks, and yet, and yet God used David to bring a great victory and bring down the giant. When we read the Bible, we read stories about the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow to an idol. And find that the Bible says they were thrown into a furnace of fire. But the Bible says that God sustained them in the midst of the fire. And when they came up out of the fire, not only were they still alive, but the Bible says that 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 their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. When we read stories in the Bible about a man by the name of Peter who the Bible says who literally walked on top of the water and on and on and on and on the list of the stories in the Bible goes. All of these things being done through faith. Listen, how many know that God's word will challenge our faith? Matthew chapter 19 verse 26 says the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. Matthew chapter 21 verse 21 and 22 said Jesus said if you have faith. And Jesus said and you do not doubt in your heart. Jesus said you can literally move mountains. Listen to me this morning. Listen. God's word when inhaled will challenge our faith. What God has done should give us faith for what He will do. Did you hear me this morning? I said that when we begin to read the Word of God, when we begin to read the stories, when we begin to read of the incredible things that God did through ordinary people that had faith in God, when we begin to read those stories, and we read the Word of God, where Jesus said, greater works than I do shall you do, and you can do even greater than I have done. When we read these kinds of things, when we inhale the Word of God, it should challenge our faith to believe that what God has done in the past he can do in the present and what God has done God can do. I don't know about you this morning but I am motivated this morning to believe today that the God of old is the God of today and the God of the past is the God of the present and the God of the Bible is still our God today. Let me ask you this morning what mountain do you need moved today? What impossible situation do you need removed from your life? I'm telling you this morning that if God could give Joseph favor and if God could protect David from a den of hungry lions and if God could take Saul, the greatest persecutor of the early church, and turn him into Paul, the greatest promoter of the early church, surely God can turn your situation around as well. You'll begin to inhale God's word. God's word will challenge your faith. And you will begin to believe that what God has done, he will do. But not only will God's word challenge us in our faith, but also it will challenge us in our family. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 22 and then continuing on through chapter 6 and verse 4. The Bible gives us specific instructions about the family. Specific instructions about how husbands are to treat their wives and how wives are to treat their husbands. How fathers are to treat their children and how children are to treat their parents. Write this down this morning. I don't know if it's in your notes or not, but the Bible is the foundation that happy families are built on. The Bible is the foundation that happy families are built on. Listen, listen to me this morning. If you want things to go well for you and your family, get your instructions from the Bible. Let me tell you this this morning. Healthy families are made up of healthy people. Healthy families are made up of healthy people. Emotionally healthy people are people who know what God's Word teaches and then live according. We need to understand that God's laws are given to us for our benefit. God's laws. God's laws are given to us for our benefit. a lot of, uh, for our benefit. A lot of people look at the word of God and they think that they see that thou shalt and that thou shalt not. And they think that God is being a little narrow-minded. They think that God, you know, is trying to be mean to them, that God is a, you know, is, is, is a, is a bad God. But listen, every, listen, what we need to understand is when God's word says thou shalt not, what it is actually saying is do yourself no harm. See, I've lived long enough now to notice the difference in the lives of people who align their lives according to God's Word and those who don't. And the difference is huge. I've watched people walk away from the teaching of God's Word and more often than not, their lives suffer significantly for it. The Bible is the foundation that happy families are built on. But not only will God's word challenge us in our faith, not only will God's word challenge us in our family, but, but also, let me, let me suggest this, God's word will challenge us in our finances. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, to honor the Lord with your money and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Giving to God is a challenge. And especially the way God's Word teaches us to give. Because the Bible teaches us to give to God first. The Bible teaches us to give to God our very best. The Bible teaches us to give to God out of our need. And the Bible says that if we do this, then, say then, The Bible says that if we will do this, then God will provide for us. Then God will fill up our barns. Our thinking, our thinking is opposite of this. Our thinking is, God, God, if you will fill up my barns, God, if you'll fill my barns up first, then God, out of my surplus, I'll give you some. God, after my needs are met, God, after my wants, wants are satisfied. God, after you fill up my barn, after my barn is full, after that, then God, I'll give to you out of my abundance, or I'll give to you some of my leftovers. This makes more sense to us. But that is not the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us that God is to be honored above everything, that he is to be honored first with the first fruits of all of our increase, that we're to give God our best. See, God's word will challenge us in our finance. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. He said, you cannot serve God and money. See, see, money and what God requires of us in this area separates a host of people from God. They simply cannot wrap their arms around it. They simply cannot properly respond in this area of finances. And most people fail this challenge. But what most people do not understand is this, and that is the greatest principles for financial success are found in the Bible. I'm telling you this morning, if you want to be financially sound, if you want to be financially prosperous, if you want to be financially blessed, Amen. I'm telling you that the greatest manual, the greatest manual that you can find for finances, the greatest principles of financial success can be found in the Word of God. God says, if you will honor me, God says, I will bless you. God says, if you will t- he said, I will open the windows of heaven over your life and I will supply you with all of your need. God says, I will, I will rebuke the devourer for you. God says, I will be your protector. Amen. The greatest principles of the word of God for, or the greatest principles for giving are the greatest principles for financial success are found in the Bible. See, the Bible is a very practical book. Sometimes you have to look beyond the these and the thous, but I'm telling you that if you will get deep into the Word of God, you will find that the Word of God is a very practical book. You see, God's not just interested in getting you to heaven, but God is also interested in you living an abundant life. He's also interested in you living an overcoming life. He's also interested in you having some victory, amen, and living a life of victory, and He gives you the tools to do it in His Word. People who refuse to obey God's word in the area of finances are simply shooting themselves in the foot. They are sabotaging themselves financially. See, here's what I've discovered, and I've discovered it for myself, and that is the more I give to God, the more he gives to me. The more I give to God, the more he gives to me, and the more he gives to me, he gives me more so that I can give more. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, the wisdom writer says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. He goes on to say, the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Refreshed. The greatest principles for financial success are found in the Bible. What will the Bible do for us? Well, number one, it will challenge us. Not only will it challenge us, but number two, God's word will correct us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says, God's word is alive and powerful. And it goes on to say that it will expose our innermost thoughts and desires. That's the reason why some of you don't want to read it, because the Word of God has your number. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 7 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. I want to suggest two areas where God's Word corrects us. First of all, God's Word corrects us in our beliefs. In our beliefs. Now, most people form their beliefs based on what they have heard from others. Grandpa said it, so it must be right. The pastor preached it, so it has to be right. Maybe. Maybe not. We should discover the difference between truth and tradition. And this is huge this morning. We should discover the difference between truth and tradition. Between what man says and what God's word says. See, there's a lot of scripture quoted from the Bible that's not in the Bible. Read the word for yourself. Study it yourself. Let me tell you this this morning. If you cannot back up your beliefs with the Bible, it's time for you to change your beliefs. I'll say that again. If you cannot back up your beliefs with the Bible, then it's time for you to change your beliefs. And let me tell you this morning that truth and tradition don't always line up. I know what I'm talking about. I was raised in tradition. I know a little bit about it. I know a whole lot about it. And a great eye opener was to me when I began to begin to read the Bible for myself. It's a big eye opener because truth and tradition don't always line up. And I want to say this this morning: when truth and your tradition don't line up, you need to choose truth over tradition. I don't care that Grandpa said it. I don't care that Uncle Joe preached it. It's the truth that trumps over tradition. I think it's interesting. I only find ten commandments in my Bible, so why did my Pentecostal church preach a thousand commandments when I was growing up? God's word will correct us. If we read it, if we study it, if we inhale it. Second Timothy 2 and 15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that does not need to be ashamed, but correctly handles the word of truth. We need to correctly handle the word of truth listen, you can take the Bible and make it say anything that you want it to say. You can pick out a little portion here and a little portion there and a little portion there and put that all together and make it say anything that you want it to say. We don't just need a little portion here and a little portion there and a little bit here and a little there and a little there and somewhere else. No, we need to get a handle. That's why we need to read all of the Bible. That's why I'm trying to get you through the entire Bible. Amen. So you won't just have your one little two or three or four or five little key scriptures. Amen. Of those few little things that you know. No, no. But you'll be able, when you come across something that's a little interesting or maybe a little bit even seems like a little bit controversial or maybe even a little contradictory to something but if you know the whole word of God you know what the whole word of God is you know the principles of all of God's word you know what God's word is saying in its entire book not just in one little scripture somewhere does that make sense Proverbs 25 and 2 says it is God's privilege to conceal things it's the king's privilege to discover them May I suggest to you today that the deeper truths of God's Word are hidden deep within the pages of the Bible. And those who are willing to inhale God's Word to them, will these deep truths be Revealed. That's why daily, daily I pray to God to reveal His Word to me. I ask God on a daily basis, God, open your Word to me. God, reveal your Word to me. I pray daily, God, help me preach a doctrine that is pure. God, help me to preach a doctrine that is correct. God, help me to preach a doctrine that is balanced. God, I want to preach your Word and not my Word. This morning I'm not going to give you a bunch of my tradition this morning. Listen, I want to give you the Word of God. I want to give you the word. I don't want to give you tradition today. I want to give you the truth because the truth will set you free. Not only will God's word correct us in our beliefs, but also it'll correct us in our behavior. Psalm 119 and 11, the psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So I might not sin against you. You see, God's word teaches us what God approves of and it teaches us what he disapproves of. And there are some things that are black and white, like the Ten Commandments. But then there are some things in our life that we're going to come up against that aren't so clear in the Word of God. What do we do about those things that are in the gray area? What do we do about those things that the Bible doesn't explicitly or very clearly or precisely say, Thou shalt or thou shalt not? What do we do then? Then we need to know, that's why we need to know all of the Word of God. Because when we know all of the Word of God, then we know the principles of God's Word. And the principles of God's word help us decide what to do in those gray areas. It lets us know what to do in those areas where the Bible is not explicitly clear. We also need to understand that God has given to all of us a conscience to help guide us. The Bible also says that God has given us the Holy Spirit to convict us when we stray from God's And I want to say this this morning. I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me clearly this morning. We should be very, very careful not to condemn someone who participates in areas where we do not participate. I'm talking about the gray areas right now. I'm talking about those areas, you know, that are a little bit iffy. Those areas that, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe yes, maybe no. The Bible doesn't say exactly. The Bible is not 100% clear on that. Listen, in those areas, we need to be very, very careful not to condemn somebody uh, who has liberty in an area that we do not have liberty in. We need to be very, very careful uh, when not to condemn someone that participates in areas where we do not participate. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. You participate in areas that they don't. And much of this goes back to our tradition and much of this goes back to our upbringing and much of this goes back Amen, to the teaching that we have been taught all of our life. We need to be very, very careful. Listen, when the Bible says don't do it, we better not do it. When the Bible says do it, we better do it. But there's a lot of things in life where the Bible doesn't say explicit and it's not 100% clear. In those areas we need to understand and know the Word of God and know the principles of the Word of God. And that's why when we saturate our life with the Word of God, when we inhale the Word of God, when we get the Word of God down deep into to us, in those areas, God will have more to work with, and when He's leading us and directing us and guiding us in those gray areas of life. Amen. Amen. That's good. He, again, I can't say it too strong. Be careful. Be careful what you condemn, because in somebody else, you know, it's 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 the same old splinter and two before in the eye thing that Jesus taught about. But this is what I know, and I basically said it, but I want to say it again. The more we inhale God's Word and then endeavor to obey His Word, the better we know how to please God with our behavior. All right, I'm giving you three things that God's Word will do for you if you consistently read it and then line your life up with it. First of all, it will challenge us. Second of all, it will correct us. The third thing that God's word will do for us if we will learn to inhale it is God's word will cheer us on. I want to suggest two things here. Number one, it will encourage us. God's word will encourage us. Psalm 119 verse 28. The psalmist writes and he says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word encourage me by your word. Let me tell you this morning, if you are in sorrow, if you are weeping, if you are grieving, if you are hurting this morning, let me tell you, let me tell you that the word of God will cheer you up. Amen. The word of God will encourage you. The word of God will uplift you. The word of God will uphold you. The word of God will go with you. For every burden, for every sorrow of life, God's word has encouragement for us. When we're struggling financially, God's word declares, my God shall supply all of your need according unto his riches and glory. When we are sick, God's word says, I am the Lord that heals you. When we're facing death, God's word says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they Comfort me for every burden, for every struggle, for every sorrow of life. God's word offers encouragement. Psalm 119 verse 49 and 50 says, Remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Let me suggest this this morning. God's word is medicine for the soul. Not only does God's word encourage us, but it will energize us. People who inhale God's word turn into the energizer bunny. They just keep going and going and going. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse number 9 says, His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like fire in my heart bones. Psalm 18 and verse 29 says, in your strength I can crush an army and with my God I can scale any wall. Let me suggest today God's word is a great motivator. There are two kinds of parents. Two kinds of parents. The first kind are those who Who sit quietly in the stands with their arms folded while their kids are playing sports. The other kind are those that yell and scream and go crazy. I fit into the second category. When my son Chad was playing soccer as a little boy. I literally ran up and down the sidelines with him, shouting at him, kick that ball, son. Come on, boy. Come on, boy. You can do it. Run faster, son. Run faster. Get that ball away from him, boy. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. When he was playing baseball, which was most of the time, I stood behind the backstop, behind the umpire son bring the heat come on son show him the hook bear down boy you need to take this one yourself Strike him out son I may have had a few pointers for the umpire as well Watch my point. I was my son's number one cheerleader. His father's words motivated him. I tried to encourage Him. I tried to energize Him. Oh, oh, what what will the Bible do for us? How can it help us? What will our Father's words do for us? I'm telling you that God's Word will cheer us on. God's Word will build up our faith. God's Word will encourage us. God's Word will energize us. So we need to read it. We need to study it. We need to come to cultivation classes on Wednesday night and hear it taught. We need to be faithful with the celebration service on Sunday morning. We need to hear the man of God that has shut himself up with God all week, who has agonized with God for direction for the service, who has literally begged God for fresh manna and fresh oil to be poured upon him, who's literally begged God for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon him, has literally asked God to make him God's very mouthpiece, that when he opens his mouth, it will not just be a sermon that will come out, but the word of the living God will come forth, amen, with liberation power and anointing. Amen. I'm telling you that God's word will energize you. God's word, amen, It will motivate you. God's word will encourage you. Are you excited about the word of God this morning? Amen. May the word of God be for us like it was Jeremiah of old, like a fire shut up in my bones. God, give us God, help us, Lord. Help us today to have have an appetite. God, help us to have, Lord, an appetite, a desire, a thirst. God, make us thirsty. Make us thirsty today. God, make us hungry today. God, for the Word of the living God. I promise you when you're hungry and you're thirsty for the Word of God and when you pour the Word of God in your life, I'm telling you, your life is going to pick up. Things are going to pick up around your place when you start reading and studying and then applying Wonderful word of the Lord. If I could get some help on the platform this morning, please. What is the takeaway for the message today is, well, let me say this. We can only exhale what we inhale. God's word is to be taken in and then Lived out. I want to challenge you not only to read through the word this year. I want to challenge you before you sit down to read the word. That you just say, God, open your word to my understanding. God, feed me today from your word. God, instruct me today. God, equip me today. God, correct me today. God, speak to me today through your word. I'm going to say it one more time. It's not so much that I want to get you through the word. So at the end of the evening, you can say, I read the Bible, ha, ha. not so much that I get you through the word but that I get the word through you Amen. so I challenge you when God really begins to speak to you through his word slow down even if you don't get through it but if God's speaking to you if God's word's getting through you that's more important than you getting through the word How many know what I'm talking about yeah. Amen. would you stand with me in his presence today God, the Bible says you sent your word and healed them. God, you said your word is powerful. Oh God, I pray today right now, you'll use the anointed word of God today to heal those that are physically sick today. Heal them through your word today. Those that are suffering emotionally, heal them through Your Word. Those that are grieving, those, God, that are struggling, those that are hurting, heal them today. Send Your Word and heal them today. Those that are unsaved, oh God, use Your Word, God, Or to develop an appetite in their spirit for God and they will turn to You today.